Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministries and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have you all here today with us on a day that God has truly made and designed for us to rejoice and be glad in it. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, I encourage you to go to our website at www.biggrace.com. That's B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E. Dot com, which Deb so efficiently puts there on our uh, on the live screen, and go to our website and you can check that out and see more information on Raven Ministries International. If you are joining us for the first time, we just want to welcome you, and we're just so blessed that you would take the time out of your day to be with us as we study and do an expository teaching on the Word of God. We're actually today is class number, as you say, one hundred and forty-five in our study in the book of Romans. And we've just been so blessed the last, well, since last May when we began this study in the book of Romans, just for the things that God is teaching and showing us. I know on a personal level that it's always a daily challenge as we come to the Word of God and begin to look at the things that God is trying to teach us and instruct into our lives. And so thank you so much for joining us. If you missed out on the previous ones, we make those available to you in MP3 format by going to our website. Also, if you would like a... um, uh, DVD with all of the audio recorded, you can actually email us at raven at biggrace.com, raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com, and request the DVD with all the audio classes up to this point on those, and we will send those to you uh, absolutely free of charge, no charge to you. Love to send those out to you so you can have those, and you can load those on your iPod or other type of MP3 uh, device or whatever else we'd love to do it. Uh, we're also working on getting this on a, in an iPod format for a t- uh, podcast. That way you can actually uh, sign up for that, and we put them on there on a regular basis. And every time you sync your iPod, it'll download into it, and you'll always have the, the latest class available. Working on some of the... Uh, uh, aspects of getting that done, and we'll let you know just as soon as it it happens. Once again, welcome you. We want to welcome our the, our pastor friends that join with us or using these to teach their indigenous peoples around the the world as well, uh, in places like Pakistan, India, and, and several African countries as well. We welcome them uh, to our program as well. That tune in later on in, in a delayed broadcast. And thank you so much for being a part of that. And you that are here every single day, good to have all you as well. You guys are awesome. And you are such a blessing to us as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Just ask for God's blessing on this teaching and for the opportunities that he gives us to not only just be hearers of the word, but to take the word that he gives us today and go out and apply it into our world. Father, we just thank you for this day. And we just thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord God. We know that uh, the access that we have into your presence, Lord God, is because of the, the, the finished work of the cross that your son, Jesus, did, Lord God. We know that it's not by might nor by power nor anything, Lord God, that we could do or accomplish in the natural but it's strictly through faith, Lord God, in what Jesus has done for us. And, Lord God, we come today, Lord God, in faith. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so, Father, we know that we live in a day and age that we need much more faith. And so as we come to the day in this, come to this Word today, we just ask, Lord God, that you would increase our faith, Lord God. You just give us a strength and a, and, a, and a faith and a tenacity, Lord God, to seek you out and to know you, Lord God, in accordance with your Word. And, Father, I just thank you for those that have joined us today, Lord God, all around the world. 
just ask you to touch them, bless them, change them, challenge them, Lord God, and transform them, Lord God, uh, through the washing and the regeneration of the Word of God. Father, I pray for those that have been sick in their bodies, Lord God, and we just ask, Lord God, for the, the healing of the nations, Lord God. We thank you that, that you've been showing us, Lord God, that your desire is to touch and to heal and to restore and to empower, Lord God, through your precious Holy Spirit, Lord God, as provided by the, the, the shed blood of your Son. And Father, we come today just praying for those that have been sick and afflicted. And it's asking you to touch them and anoint them, Lord God. Heal them, Lord God. Restore them. And Lord God, just, just make every one of us more and more like Jesus today. Father, I ask you to bless this time of teaching, Lord God, that you just reveal some uh, your, your word to us, reveal your heart to us, Lord God, so that we could uh, be... Uh, uh, demonstrative, Lord God, of your character, Lord God, in, in what we say and do, Lord God, to those that you place into our lives. We just thank you for this, Lord God. Ask for your blessing, Lord God. Ask for your anointing. Ask for you to teach us, Lord God, and to guide us. And we say it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Uh, if you are joining us, we just, we're, we're so grateful that you're here. Folks, listen, we're all about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Everything that we do is, is about that. And so we're here today to make you more effective in whatever capacity that we can in order for you to be more effective in your community to do the things that God has called you to do. And the thing that he's called us to do is to reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not here to fill up your head. We're here to fill up heaven. And if we can help uh, uh, accomplish that by pouring the word of God into your heart and life through these, these teachings, that's exactly what we want to do. But really, I just want to tell you that you've got to come to the place where you're taking the word and you're applying it. You're applying it uh, beyond your, your, your comfort level. You're, you're, you're applying it beyond uh, your, your experience. You're applying it beyond all those things. Folks, listen, what saves is the preaching of the Word of God. And so if you put this tool in your hand, you begin to, to, to you know, if I can use the term, release it through uh, the preaching of the Word, sharing faith. We talked about it yesterday. You can call it whatever you want to. You can call it sharing. You can call it preaching. You can call it counseling. But at the end of the day, the Word of God has got to come forth. And if you begin to do that, what's going to happen is you're going to inject something into the world that was designed to change and transform the world. But how will they know unless we preach? And how can we preach unless we're sent? How will they hear without a preacher, a proclaimer, somebody willing to say something? And so I really encourage you, as the Word of God comes, that you would get out there and, and share it with someone in whatever capacity that it is. Begin to, to preach the Word of God. You know, as a ministry, we, we design specific things throughout the year and, and around the country and uh, other countries as well uh, to get people out there uh, preaching the Word. You know, not, not as events, but as opportunities to... Uh, facilitate and equip people to go do the work of the ministry. Every year, obviously, many of you know that we take a team into New Orleans during Mardi Gras. We've been doing it for since 1996. We, we do that in order to, to provide a training ground. Not so it'll just be five neat days in February, but so it'll be five days of training and equipping to get people accustomed to and get people in that mode that they can share their faith and they can see lives change even in the most desperate of situations. Whether our teams are going into uh, Philadelphia or going into Baltimore or New York or Chicago or or San Francisco, or Los Angeles, or Albuquerque, or New Orleans, or whatever it is, our teams are going out there and, and taking people in order to kind of get your feet wet, to get you out there. That way, uh, those days that you're not actually out on a, on a uh, busy street corner, that maybe you're sitting across the table having lunch with a friend, that you're still able to share your faith. And so we come in order to do that, to equip you that we're regardless of where you are, that you begin to share the Word of God with people. Folks, listen, the day that we live is a short day. 
I mean, we live in the day that the Lord Jesus is about to return. You can look at the, the things and the signs of the times, look at the political landscape in our country, look at the economic conditions that, that we're facing. Folks, it all points to one thing, that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is very near. And so we've got to be uh, adamant about you know making sure that as many people have the opportunity to know him and are ready for his return. You know, it breaks my heart to know that every single second, 25 people die without Christ Jesus, according to uh, statistics from the World Health Organization. You know, and that's, that's, that's people that, that we miss opportunities on. But, folks, we've got to d- endeavor to do everything we can to not miss those opportunities, to go out and preach the gospel and to see people saved in this time. So that's what we're here for, and we thank you so much for, for joining us at. And I, I need to say it, but really just set up kind of the directive and the, the teaching that we're going to be talking about today out of the book of Romans. So if you have your Bible this morning, uh, we're in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. We're going to look at verses 9, 10, and 11 this morning. So what we come to... As I got a good sip of that great coffee that Melanie uh, made for us this morning, uh, we come to a portion of, of, of the scripture in Romans that's probably really the most used and, as a result, misused portion of scripture by evangelical Christians in this past generation. Uh, and really, the next three verses, uh, verses nine through eleven, you know, nine one one, have become probably uh, the the magic verses. That, that people look at that will save anybody if you could just get them to, to repeat it out loud. And unfortunately, that's what it's really become. It's had that kind of mentality. Can I get them to pray the prayer? Can I get them to do it? Oh, I feel bad because they didn't pray the prayer. I got somebody to pray the prayer. What they're talking about when you hear people say that is right here in Romans chapter uh, 10, verses 9 through 11. And so what this has done, it's reduced salvation from a thing of laying one's entire life down in order to win Christ to a thing of, if I could just iterate a Christian mantra that has the power to save apart from the transformation of life. And so I want to read those verses uh, uh, together today. It says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Folks, listen. With our ministry being very evangelistic, if I can use the terminology, we obviously have the opportunity to speak to and minister to many people out there in the marketplace of, of this nation and beyond. And one of the scariest things that, that we face, that I do, and I, I hear over and over again, uh, as we talk to people in front of bars or in strip clubs or in other places of vice or in, and live in all types of wicked lifestyles, is, uh, is, is that phrase. They say things like, well, I'm already saved because I prayed the prayer. And, and I've heard it once, I've heard it literally a million times. And what is scary about that is people are saying it that do not have the fruit of salvation. But they honestly and sincerely believe that they are okay because they, as they would say it, they prayed the prayer. And so somewhere along the line, they were either mistold or simply just misunderstood as someone presented the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to them that they would, if they would just simply pray the prayer, uh, then they would have eternal life. And, and folks, who wouldn't take you up on that? If somebody came up to you and said, listen, uh, you know what, I'm gonna, you're going to be set for life, you're going to have all the money you want to, and all you've got to say is abracadabra calakazam, what are you going to do? You're going to say, even though that kind of sounds silly and I don't understand it, hey, it's worth a shot, aren't you going to do that? Folks, listen, uh, 
salvation is not picking, what is it, five or six lucky lotto numbers and, and, and hoping that you're going to hit. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is, 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 is denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Him. It's, it's not repeating some type of, of mantra and learning the secret handshake and saying, if I just know those things, then i got a free pass. It's not knocking on the door and somebody say, what's the password? And you say the password and the door opens. Folks, that's not what it is. Salvation is having faith in the one that laid his life down for us and being willing to lay our life down as well. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul or what would it, uh, a man give in exchange for his soul absolutely nothing folks we've got to come to the point when in salvation we say we are at the end of ourselves. what salvation means is that 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 we no longer exist that i've been crucified with christ but nevertheless i live but it's not i that live but it's christ that lives in me and so i've come to the end of my existence now that little just pray the prayer never does require a coming to the end of yourself. What it does, it provides a, a safety valve. And you've heard said people talk about fire insurance. And so it just provides them an out just in case something happens. It gives them an exit door in, in the back of their mind to escape hell. And, uh, and so what this is, there's a very prominent minister here in, in uh, Central Florida. Actually, he's over in the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay area. And his name's Rodney Howard Brown. Many of you guys have heard of Rodney Howard Brown. He was really a, a catalyst in the whole quote unquote laughing movement. If you've if you got to miss all that, praise God you got to miss it. But anyway, what he does is he hosts these events around the, the state of Florida and, and elsewhere, and they're called the Great Awakening Tour. Obviously, barring from the, the Great Awakening, which is a tremendous uh, uh, evangelistic breakthrough and outpouring uh, that, that happened with men such as George Whitfield and, uh, and different great preachers of a bygone era. And then you saw the Second Great Awakening under people like Charles Grandison Finney and, and whatnot, where whole cities were changed. And so they borrowed that terminology, you know, when, and, and so they do these, uh, uh, these Great Awakening tours, and they'll go into a community, and they'll, they'll either go with, a, a, you know, find a larger church, or they'll get several churches to together and they'll get all these people together and they'll bring them in and they'll quote unquote teach them how to reach their city and so uh or teach them how to get people saved and, and the problem is though is that they're not teaching how to people how to reach the lost so that they can repent from their sin and turn to god they are teaching people how to get as many people as possible to repeat a scripted prayer and i just happen to have their prayer you can go to their website at revival.com and you can actually uh, uh, print it off. And here's what it says. And here, this, is, this is an actual print off of their tracks or their flyers that they use for their Great Awakening Tour. And so what it is, it says the Gospel Soul Winning Script. And what are we talking about? It's just a script. Now, I'm, I'm just going to read this to you. And, 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 and this is the actual, the actual documents that they, they will give and they'll do these things. And I'll give you an example. This past week, they were in the Cocoa Beach area, uh, right just uh, an hour from us. And they, they, on their website, it says they had over 15,000 decisions for Jesus Christ in a weekend. Now, folks, listen, I tell you what, if less than an hour for me, that 15,000 people had come to Jesus Christ, had literally repented and turned. Cocoa Beach is not that big of a place. Cocoa Beach would be turned upside down. There would not be an open bar. There would not be an open nightclub or a strip club or anything else. 15,000 people in a weekend coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be on the headlines. It would be a transformation. But they said 15,000 people came to the Lord this past weekend. But here's the script that they give them to, to read. It says, says, and here's how they tell you. They tell you, don't, de don't, don't deviate from the script. They'll have these training things. Just do this. And they say, this is, a very, this is the most effective way in order to get people saved. Now, now listen to this. Has anybody ever told you, they tell you to approach people, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? 
Folks, listen, if you started out there, you've already started out. You know, you know my, my mantra, so to speak. It's not that God has a wonderful plan for your life. It's God has a wonderful plan for your death. That, that everything throughout the scripture is telling us to die, 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 die to ourselves. Do you not know that you'll be hated? Do you not know? And so they go and the, the first approach is, hey, did you know that God has a wonderful plan for your life? Uh, I have a real, and here's, I'm just reading it. I have a real quick but important question to ask you. If you were to die this very second, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that you would go to heaven? Then in principle, if they say yes, and you say, great, why would you say yes? If they respond with anything but, I have Jesus in my heart, or something similar to that, proceed with script. Or no, or I hope so, proceed with script. And so, it's, it's, obviously, it's all scripted. He said, let me quickly share with you what the Bible reads. It reads, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also reads, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're a whosoever, right? Of course you are. All of us are. I'm reading it verbatim, folks. I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. And, and so it's just that they tell you just to start praying. Lord bless Billy. It says fill in the blank. And his or her family with long and healthy lives. Jesus, make yourself real to them and do a quick work in their heart. If Billy has not received Jesus Christ as his or her Savior, I pray that they'll do so now. Billy, if you would like to receive the gift that God has for you today, say this after me with your heart and lips out loud. Dear Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me my sins, wash me and cleanse me, set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead. You're coming back again for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus now in my heart. And they say, did you tell them, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I tell you that all of your sins are now forgiven. Always remember to turn to God and not from God because God loves you and has a great plan for your life. It says, now invite them to your church and follow up on them. Folks, listen, did you hear anything about sin or the conviction of sin? Did you hear anything about repentance or any of those things? Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll, be like, you'll likewise perish. There's nothing in that whatsoever about repenting. There's something about saying, God, forgive me. Now, I could punch you in the mouth and say, would you forgive me? And you'll say, well, I guess so. But if I punched you in the mouth again, are you going to do anything? Why? Because I'm not, I've not turned from that, that aspect. Folks, that, that stuff right there is probably some of the most, most dangerous things that you've ever heard or seen in the kingdom. That is destructive because of what it does. It, it tells people that, listen, all you've got to do is repeat this prayer. Well, listen, all these people are saying it. All these, these people that seem to know what they're talking about are doing it. And so it must be great. A, a friend of mine was involved in one of these, these exact, the same guy right here, Rodney Hyde Brown, in, in South Florida not too long ago in the last year. And he said, yeah, he said it was really neat. He said, uh, man, I personally led over 500 people in the prayer uh, in, in three hours. Well, folks, listen, anytime I know people that are repenting from their sins, man, it's hard to get that done in... Uh, in a period of three hours, you know, it's, it, it's just a difficult thing when you're seeing people broken before the Lord and God doing a tremendous work in their lives. And so what it becomes, it's like a rubber stamp. Let me get them to pray this prayer. Let me say this, and they're okay. They're okay. Folks, listen, they are not okay. That, the, the, people do not get saved by repeating that prayer. Uh, you can go to the website for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and various other places on the World Wide Web as well. And you'll find that the, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, who does, has obviously done crusades for 50 plus years, they say that over 80%, 86% of those making decisions for Christ at their crusades, within two years, they're nowhere to be found. Why? Because they say, 
why don't you come forward and pray this prayer? God, forgive me of my sins. And, you know, I've, I've worked at those events. I've been a counselor at those things. And so I know it's, it's, it's scripted almost like this, the same type of thing. But there's no, listen, your life is coming to an end. If you're going to come up here, listen, every, all your dreams, all your aspirations, everything that you've ever known, it's got to come to an end. God is now going to be the author and the finisher of your faith. God may bring you. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial of some strange things comes upon you. Well, what about all that? Folks, listen, it's hard to get... Tommy Zito, Lucy said, ministry does the exact same thing. They were sharing this with me up in uh, when I was up there with them in, in Pennsylvania. Same type of scripted thing. Let's get these decisions. Folks, listen, when, when you preach the gospel, when the Bible preaches the gospel, you're not aiming for a decision. You're aiming for repentance because repentance is the only way that we came to Christ Jesus. It says in, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter uh, 3, verses 1 to 2, it says that when John came preaching out of the wilderness of Judea, he declared, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. What did he say? Repent. And, and I believe it's Matthew four seventeen. Jesus came forth and he basically repeated the exact same message. You've got to repent. You've got to turn away. You've got to come to the place where you're convicted of sin. The moral compunction to think differently. It's metanoeo in the Greek. It's that there's something inside of me. Not just something that's formulated on my mouth that's going to save me because I know the magic words. But there's something inside of me. There's a conviction of sin that, that he has come to save me from the wrath to come. Not to have a wonderful plan for my life. And folks, listen, if, if you think, you know, you can take and say, God, that, 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 that he came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Folks, listen, that, that does not translate into he's got a wonderful plan and everything's going to be rosy. What he's talking about, he's talking about I've given you some abundant life, something beyond the natural, something beyond your heartbeat or the pulse in your body. It's something that you can spend eternity with me. That's the abundant life. And in this life, it's short. It's like a vapor. And so, you know, if it's, it's either a Vapor or it's abundant. Folks, listen, I want the abundant life. I want the life that, that I know one day when I pass from this world that I'm going to be with him for eternity and I'm going to stand before him and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so they, they tell people that. They, they, they say, listen, if you just pray this prayer, you'll be saved. Listen, years ago when I was praying, and this is when I was still pastoring back in Texas and we're doing quote-unquote evangelistic things and whatnot, the Holy Spirit spoke to me just as plain today, and he said, don't tell anyone that they're saved. He said, that is my job. It's just really clear. And took me, and you know, we remember Romans 10, 9 through 11, but I think we forget our study when we look at Romans 8, 14 through 17. Now, I want you to listen to Romans 8, 14 through 17, kind of in thinking about how people take this Romans 9 through 11 and say, if you'll just pray this prayer, if you'll just say these things, that you'll be saved. He said this, he says, For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so what does it take to be a son of God? Does it take repeating a prayer? No, it says to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Where does the Spirit of God lead you? Or what does it mean to be led somewhere? Don't it mean to be directed towards a particular purpose or a particular plan or a particular way of doing things? And so if, 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 if I'm being led around by someone, that means that I'm going where they go. I'm doing what they do. I'm following and I'm imitating their steps. And so he says, for as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, let me ask you a question. What about those that are not led by the Spirit of God? What about those that are not doing the things that God has said? Now, do they get a free pass because they happen to have repeated the right prayer? Do they, do they get a free pass because, you know, uh, Aunt Sally said, listen, if you'll just say this when you're 12 years old at summer camp, now you can live like the devil the rest of your life and be in sexual immorality and, and drunkenness and, or, or, or selfishness or covetousness or whatever, and you're still going to be saved because you remember back years ago when you repeated that prayer at Sunday school and I put that sticker on your shirt. Folks, listen, that's not what salvation is. He says, for as many 
that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we're, He's not going to lead you into temptation. He's not going to lead you into wickedness. And so when we're standing out in front of places that are houses of ill repute, houses of, 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 of vice, houses of drunkenness and debauchery, and people say, well, I'm saved, but they're being led into those places. Folks, listen, they are not the children of God. They are the children of the devil because their hearts are far from them. They do not know Him. They are not transformed. There's no conviction of sin in their life. There's no transformation. They think that God has a wonderful plan for their life, and that plan includes being able to do exactly what they want to anytime they want to, and God's going to have to like it because they one day said the magical prayer. Last night we were, we were leaving Pastor Alex and Holly Hill's house after the, the Raven Nation broadcast. And there's a, a couple that looks to be in their, uh, their, I think the girl ended up being 18 years old, like I said, late teens, early 20s, and they're in a knockdown drag out right there in the dark. They're fighting. And so we, we go up to turn around and Pastor Craig's already stopped. And so uh, they had the guy had thrown the girl down to the ground and she's crying and whatnot. And so we're trying to help her. She can't find her keys to leave the, the scene of this, this little confrontation. Evidently it's happened before in that neighborhood. So she gets in, and, and, and Sister Holly begins to talk to her and share with her about the Lord Jesus. And she just goes off, and she's like, what the blank, blank, blank does Jesus have to do with this? And so I'm hearing this, and so I come up to the car, and I say, well, what's going on? And, and she goes into this same cussing tirade, and she says, you know what, well, listen, I, I, I was raised, I know all about that, I'm a, I, I believe. And, and she's using profanity and F-bombs the whole, uh, the whole process. She's saying this, I was raised, I went to Catholic school from the time I was one until to, to, to the time I was in fifth grade, and I went to this, and I did all these things. And she honestly believed and thought that she was okay, that she had a relationship. And so I just kindly... Uh, 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 you know, informed her that she is totally deceived and she was full of the devil and she wasn't saved at all, that she was lost as a Thanksgiving goose, if I can use that terminology, and told her, listen, I know what it means and I, I know what it is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, you're not doing it. And so I just called her down on it. And you could just see, it was almost a prideful anger welled up inside of her. It's like, you have the audacity to say that blankety-blank-blank to me? I mean, that was the, the kind of verbiage that she used. Folks, listen, she was convinced because of her connection to, to the Catholic Church or uh, convinced because she was a Baptist or convinced. And folks, really, it doesn't matter your, your affiliation. Folks, listen, you can't think that you're going to repeat a prayer or get somebody else just to do it and they're going to be saved. There's got to be the evidence. Where it says in Romans 8.14, uh, it says, For as many as led by the Spirit, uh, they are the, uh, the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you're able to cry out, Abba, Father. Then I love verse 16, and here's what the Holy Spirit had spoke to me. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Folks, listen, it is not our, uh, our ability, it's not our business to tell people that they're saved. It's our business to lead people to Jesus. And we talked about this a day or so ago. That Our goal is to lead people to Jesus uh, and to lead them to a place where they're convicted of their sin and they're going to come to repentance and Jesus is going to save them. But it's the Spirit's job. It's the Spirit that's the only one that knows the thoughts and the intents of an individual's heart. He's the only one that can, that can speak to somebody and put the confidence in them they're saved. And he says, if you're in verse 17 of Romans 8, he says, If children, then you're heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs of Christ. If so be, and why don't they put this in the Roman road to salvation? If so be that we suffer with him, that we might also be glorified. Now, if this script said, hey, listen, i got something to say. Has anybody ever told you that if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to suffer with him? Now, do you think that they would be getting 15,000 decisions? Do you think if they said, listen, uh, you're going to be hated for the sake of Christ. They hated him, so they'll hate you. 
do you want to pray this prayer with me today so you can be hated just like I am? You're going to be persecuted. Blessed are you when men should revile you and persecute you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely. People are going to speak mean to you. People are going to hate you. People are going to reject you. Your own family is not going to understand you. The world is going to despise you. And you know what? That's the wonderful plan that God has for you. Now, folks, do you think they would be getting 15,000 quote-unquote decisions? Now, I believe they're getting decisions. I just don't believe they're good decisions. I believe they're making the decision to pray a prayer that's not going to produce anything, a little bit of wasted breath that's going to drop to the ground unless there's a transformation and a repentance that comes in their life as a result of that. And so he says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What, what's interesting is that word bear witness is summa rotueo, and it's, it's, it means to testify on behalf of or be, to be corroborated by the presentation of evidence. It's almost a, a legal terminology. And uh, uh, S-U-M-M-A-R-T, S-U-M-M-A-R-T-U-R-E-O is the English spelling of that long Greek word there. But literally it means to testify. Put this, write this definition down for me. It means to testify on behalf of or to cooperate by the presentation of evidence. To testify on behalf of, or to cooperate, C-O-R-R-O-B-O-R-A-T-E, by the presentation of evidence. So folks, listen, there's got to be that evidence in the life of a person that's saved. It's not simply, I'm going to pray this prayer, and so I got this little card or this little vial full of salvation I shove it in my pocket. It's, it's going to be something that testifies on your behalf. You know, if you go into a court of law and, uh, and they're wanting character references, what are they going to do? They're going to put person after person that's going, to, that's going to testify and say, you're that type of individual. Or what they're going to do is they're going to present uh, corroborating evidence that affirms exactly the testimony that you said. It's going to be the evidence that's going to maintain your position. Folks, listen, let me ask you a question. Even in your life, if you have to ask yourself this today, if you were accused of being a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you of that crime? You know? Now, you've got to ask that to people that you quote unquote lead the Lord or, or, or pray that prayer. If they were convicted or, or, or if they were uh, tried or if they were accused of being a devout follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, would there be enough corroborating evidence to convict them or would it be strictly a circumstantial or would it be just strictly hearsay? Well, I heard they prayed a prayer or I, I wrote their name down or I got a notch in my belt. Folks, listen, that's not what saves. It's got to be a, a, the evidence in a life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 through 21. We, we love Matthew chapter 7 because it really just cuts to the chase and tells it like it is. It says, by their fruits, you will know them. By their carpos, by the reproductive fruit that comes out of life, you will, you will know them. Then I love this, verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Not everyone that, that repeats the gospel soul winning script that you can get from Revival.com, Rodney Howard Brown Ministries, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not all 15,000 of those people that, that said you know, this little, uh, little sweet little prayer uh, with someone in, uh, in Cocoa Beach, Florida, is going to be saved. But those that do the will of the Father who is in heaven. What's the will of God? It's not that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But it's also that we will uh, pursue uh, uh, peace and we'll pursue holiness, that we'll walk in righteousness, 
righteousness, that we'll uh, not, no longer lay up the, the treasures of, of sin and corruption in our life here in the now, but that we'll, we'll press and we'll, we'll, we'll see our lives changed and transformed by following after the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, if it doesn't produce that, it's not uh, legitimate salvation. There was an article in, in Fox News yesterday up in New York City that there was a big bust. And they busted, it said, over a million dollars worth of counterfeit merchandise. They had fake Rolex Lexus. They had fake Gucci bags and all these other things. And it had a street value of a million dollars. Now, folks, listen, had it have been the genuine article, it would have had a street value of a hundred million dollars. But, you know, because somebody can't walk up to you and say, listen, I got this presidential gold Rolex with a diamond face, and I want to sell it to you for $50. Why? Because that's a $25,000 watch. But they made a bust, and the bust, even though it was discounted because it's all fake, it was a million-dollar bust. Folks, listen, you can buy you a bogus uh, Rolex. You can buy you a f- some fake salvation, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to produce anything in your life. It's got to come to a point of repentance from the deadness of your life and a salvation that comes into your heart. Anything less is not genuine salvation. And so you'll know them by their fruits. Now, I love it. He says, not everyone that says unto me or not everyone that says the prayer. And what's interesting about that word says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, in, in Matthew 7:20, that word is the word Lego. And has it spelled just like when you're kids or you have children, they play with Legos, L-E-G-O, which means to speak something out. And so he's saying, not everyone that speaks something out, not everyone that, that says something, not everyone that prays the prayer, not everyone that, that follows your, your, your genuine gospel soul winning script is going to be saved. But he says, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What, what's, what's amazing, that word doeth is poieo, which means to bring forth and do something in accordance to how it was designed. And so not everyone that speaks something out is going to go to heaven. But he that brings something forth and does things in accordance to how it was designed is going to see heaven. Folks, listen. If you are not walking or performing or living according to your design, you're not going to go to heaven. Period. Why? Is that because Pastor Troy Bond of Raven Ministries said that? No, it's because Jesus said that. These are the words of Christ. If you say that's just your interpretation, well, I need you to break it down and give me a simpler way of interpretation. The bottom line is either we are following after Christ and we're walking in demonstration of his character and doing the things that he did and walking in obedience to the word of God or we're not saved. You may have a, a genuine, sincere desire to be so, but unless you're walking and following and doing exactly what he said in obedience to him, uh, you're not genuinely saved. Now, does that mean that every single day that you're not going to struggle? Absolutely not. You're going to have those type of struggles. And praise God for those, because that's what's going to work you out of the equation and going to cause a dependence to come upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you've got to come to that place. I love this. It says this in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. The Gospel of Luke chapter 13. 13 verses 1 through 9. It says, Now there were some at present time, this is Jesus speaking again to his disciples, who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, He said, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the others because they suffered this way? Now, people today in the modern church, they'll tell you if you're going through something, if you're, if you're, if you're uh, suffering, if, you're, if things aren't going right, then there must be sin in your life. Now, you'll hear things like that. They'll tell you that, you know, if, if, you're, if you get saved, then God, like this script says, God's got a wonderful plan. And that wonderful plan means that you're going to have all these neat things and things are going to be great. And you're going to be smiling all the time and tapping your toe. And you know what? He said that. He said, do you think just because they suffered such a terrible death that they had more sins? He said, I tell you, no. He said, but unless you repent, you will all perish. 
He said, listen, you think because they went through that, 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 that they suffered because they were big rank sinners. He said, that's not the case at all. But he said, I'm telling you something. He said, unless you repent, unless you met Noeo, unless you, you, you have a moral compunction to think differently, unless you turn away from your old life, unless you reject who you were and recognize that in your flesh dwells no good thing and that you're going to have to realize that you're, you're, you're on your way to hell and the only answer for you is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you are going to perish. He said, well, what about, he said, you may ask, what about those 18 who died at the tower, when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the other people living in Jerusalem because of the way they died? He said, no. And he said it again. But unless you repent, you will all perish. He said, I don't care what they went through. I don't care what you're perceiving, what they did. He said, unless you repent, you're the one that's going to perish. Then he told this parable. He said, a man had a fig tree, and he planted it in his vineyard. And he, he went to look at it uh, for the fruit on it, but it did not have any fruit. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, he said, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit uh, on this fig tree and haven't found any. He said, so what you need to do, he said, cut it down. Why should I allow it to take up and use any more soil? And the man replied, and he said, Sir, please leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, folks, I want you to look at that picture. And what he's talking about is this whole aspect of salvation. You know, and specifically what he was addressing is these people that were Jews that thought that they were they had something going on because of the church they belonged to, or in their case, because their, 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 their lineage was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, Listen, I, I'm here. And look what he said. He said, I've, I've come for three years. How long was, was Jesus' earthly ministry? Three years. He said, listen, they're not bearing any fruit, so I'm going to cut them down. Then, then the man that, that, that serviced them, the man that would, took care of it, he said, listen, let's, let's give them a little, uh, um, another chance. And he said, if, if another year they don't produce, he said, let's cut them, let's cut them down and, and, and because they're not going to produce fruit. Folks, it's the same way in the kingdom of God. You know, you can have people that say, listen, they go to church year after year. They can do the things and say the things, wear the right T-shirt, have the right bumper sticker, play the right music. But if they're not bearing fruit, meat for repentance, as John the Baptist said, listen, they are not saved and they're going to be cut down. It tells us back in Matthew chapter 7, any tree that does not bear forth good fruit is only good for one thing, and that is to be cut down and cast into the fire. Then he says this in Romans 10, 9. He said, but, and here's this prayer that people want to lead people in. And I say this because I've talked to people, uh, even people that have been involved uh, with some of our teams that have gone out in ministry. They come back and they're disappointed. They'll talk to somebody and say, you know what, I really witnessed to this person and, and talked to them and shared and they seemed like they were really getting it, but I just couldn't get them to pray the prayer. Now, I've heard that many times. And so I have to bring them back to it. And I said, well, what do you mean, pray the prayer? They said, well, you know, the sinner's prayer. And, you know, they, they'll take this, this whole uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, uh, 10 and 11. They'll think that there's this magical sinner's prayer. And unless they pray that prayer, folks, listen, I don't try to rush people into that whatsoever. Now, if people don't pray that prayer, fine if they do, because I know going in because of what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, that that prayer is not going to save them. It's going to be a change in their heart and life that I may not, uh, it may not be indicative in what they say or it may not be evidenced in what I'm seeing at that particular moment, but it's got to produce a change in transformation. And so I've had people come and say, well, I feel disappointed because I was not able to get them to say that prayer. Then others saying, hey, listen, I got somebody to say the prayer and they turn around and walk right back into the nightclub. Folks, listen, that's not a change in transformation. When you, when you quote-unquote come to Christ Jesus, you come to salvation, listen, 
Everything passed away. Old things uh, are, are, are passed away. All things have been made new according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. There's no more appetite for that. There's no more desire for that. There is a shunning of the previous life. And you're not saying, well, that was real good. And so I guess maybe I can get to heaven now. No, it's, it's, it's denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following after the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, I know the salvation that He won for me. I, I know the life of living that religious type of, of, of thing. I did that for, for, for a number of years in my own life. But when I became genuinely born again, I didn't have the desires anymore. I, now, did I have the temptations? Absolutely. But I did not desire and have an, a, a, an affinity for the things of the flesh anymore. Why? Because I knew that those things would only produce death in my life. And so I asked the Lord Jesus to change and to transform, and He did. But He says this in Romans 10, 9. And I want to, I've talked about what it wasn't, but I want to just take just a little bit this morning to talk about really what it is. And, and really, Romans 9, 10, and 11 is powerful. If, if, if it's properly used. And so you've got to rightly divide the word of truth. Because if you, if you misuse the scripture, what happens is, is you're setting people's souls uh, really in danger of spending an eternal hell uh, separated from God for eternity. And so here's what he said. The first thing, he said, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen. The first thing that's got to happen is there's got to be a confession. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we talked about this word confess in, in previous studies in the book of Romans. It's homologeo in the Greek. And here's what it literally means. It means it's an open and celebrated declaration of something. An open and celebrated declaration of something. And so he said, if you will have an open and celebrated declaration of uh, uh, of something that comes forth out of your mouth in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. Folks, listen. If I come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what it's going to produce? It's going to presu- really present a celebratory type of attitude and mentality in my life. I'm going to be so excited about it. It's not going to be a down thing. It's going to be a transformation. It's going to be something I want to tell people about. It's not going to be something I say, well, that was real neat. Well, I'll see you all later. Thanks for that quick fix. Man, it's going to be, there's going to be, it's going to be open. I'm going to shout it from the housetops. I'm going to be like, like those in the Word of God who wanted to go and tell their, their friends and their family, look what God has done for me. Look at the transformation that's coming in my life. It's going to be open. It's going to be celebrated. It's going to be a declaration. There's going to be an affirmation in it. I'm going to go and I want to testify. Now, now think about what that is. It's a celebration. Jesus said in the book of, uh, uh, the, the Word says in the book of Acts, and Jesus is telling his disciples in Acts 1 and 8, he said, you shall be a witness you will go out and openly celebrate what I've done when the Spirit of God has come upon you. Folks, listen, if I'm genuinely saved, you know what it's going to create in me? It's going to cause me to be a witness. It's going to cause me to go and celebrate it and declare it to other people as well. Now, if I'm not saved, there will not be an open and celebrated declaration of it. But it's going to be just this little private thing that I may do on Sundays, but the rest of the time I'm not open, I'm not celebrating. It's, it's just, you know, it's me and Jesus got our own thing going. But it says that uh, if you shall uh, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you uh, and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So that next part of that is, is interesting. Well, we've talked about this Greek word, that shalt believe. It's pusteo, which is, comes from the Greek word pistis. And it's pistueo, P-I-S-T-U-E-O is the English spelling of that Greek word. And it means a persuasion that produces fidelity. Okay? So if I believe in my heart, it means that there's a persuasion. I've been persuaded by something that's going to produce a fidelity. And you know what fidelity is? What's, what's a fidelity? 
Fidelity means a, I'm, I'm, it's, it's like monogamy. It's like I'm, I, I have a, 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 a fidelity. I'm not, in, I'm not being uh, in infidelity. That means I'm cheating or I'm committing spiritual adultery or physical adultery in the marriage sense. And so if I, am, if I believe, that means immediately what happens? There's a fidelity that comes in my life. It's Jesus is my only way. He's my only truth. He's on my only life. That I've set my affections on those things that are above and not beneath. That I'm looking to Him. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. That when I get saved and I'm genuinely saved, it produces that fidelity to me. And I say, I don't want anybody else. I'm not seeking anything else. I don't desire anything else. But it's I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and knowing that all the other things will be taken care of by Him. Folks, that's what salvation produces. It says, listen, I don't care what happens on my left or my right. I don't care what happens in my life because I now belong to Him. I believe in Him. I walk with Him. I'm serving Him. There is a fidelity that comes into our life. And so, if I have an open and celebrated declaration of Him, what's going to happen? I'm going to be persuaded. There's going to be a persuasive. And so that persuasive is not just for me, but it's a persuasion that would able to convince or bring the evidence even to other people. And people are going to look into your life and say, you know what? I know they're saved. Because I can tell, every time they open their mouth, they're celebrating their salvation. Everything they do in their life, it celebrates, and it declares, and it produces. It, there's a corroborating evidence of who they are in Christ Jesus. It's proof. It's not that, well, I know they're saved. Why is that? Because, well, they go to church every week. Well, I know they're, they're, they're saved and they're born again. Why? Because, well, they, they told me that they prayed a prayer at youth camp back 25 years ago. No, they're, they're, there's, a, there's a declaration. They believe. There's a pistuel in, in their life that's, that's constantly producing a fidelity. They're not going to be caught up in the in the in the foul talk. They're not going to be caught up in the in the in the dirty jokes. They're not going to be caught up in the gossip. They're not going to be caught up in those things. Why? Because they've got a fidelity to righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, uh, if you confess with your mouth, if you will homologeo, or, or you'll have an open celebrated declaration of something, and will believe, if you'll persuade, or you'll have a, produ- uh, a, a persuasion that produces a, a fidelity that God is raising from the dead, you shall be saved. Folks, listen, what does it mean to be saved? Here's what I like to ask people questions. I was counseling, I had a call one time from a brother in the Lord. He said, listen, there's this guy that we know that wants to get married. And he said, uh, and they're wanting to know if you'll marry them. And I said, well, I'll marry them, but I've got to counsel them first. And he said, okay, they're open to that. And he said, well, you want to set it up? So I set it up. And, and they came to my, to my office, and they sat down across a, a desk, not unlike this one right here. And so I'm just giving them the scripture. I said, you know what? So y'all are wanting to get married. And I just take them to the Word. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain to build it. You know what? You guys can get married. You can go to a justice peace and do whatever else. But if you want your marriage to last, it's got to be built upon the foundation who's Christ Jesus. And so I, then I told him, I said, but you, you can't have that type of marriage until you first have a relationship with him. And so I turned to the man and I said, listen, are, so are you saved? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm saved. And I said, now I've got a follow-up question for you. What are you saved from? And you ought to have seen him. He had no idea what he was saved from. He said, well, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, I, well, I went to the Baptist church or whatever church it was that he had gone to. I don't know if it was Baptist or not. But he said, I went to, I went and I went and I, you know, I got baptized and I prayed the prayer and all these things. I said, so what are you saved from? And he said, well, I guess, uh, I guess I don't, uh, that means I don't have to go to hell. And I said, well, that's the byproduct of it. I said, well, that's the fruit of salvation, or that's, well, the benefit, I should say, of salvation. But what are you really saved from? He didn't know what he was saved from. And I said, what you're saved from? And his name was Charlie. I said, Charlie, you are saved from you. And you can tell it in your registry. Why? Because he never looked at himself as a bad person, even when he was, quote, unquote, lost, which he happened to still be. 
And I said, you were saved from you because Charlie was on his way to hell. And so you had to come to Christ if you're genuinely saved and cease to be uh, identified as who you were. And so he just looked at it as something he did as a kid when he visited a church or whatever with some friends or with his family. And he prayed this little prayer and he was suddenly saved because why? Somebody told him he was saved. Not because there was evidence in his life. Now, come to find out, he had been living with this girl. They had been involved in sexual immorality and everything else. But somebody had told him in his life that he was saved because he prayed a prayer. Folks, if he had died right there, praise God, he's still alive. And I'm hoping that something sunk in that I told him that day. But I'm, uh, that he would have died and went to hell. And so I challenged him on that. Uh, they ended up not wanting me to marry them because of the standard that I, that I held to them. And I said, you know what? I can't marry lost people together because I don't want to be a party in, in something like this. I said, but if you guys want to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what that means and here's what it's going to look like. Then we can talk about getting you, uh, getting hitched. And, but that didn't happen. And, and, and so they, uh, they left in a huff and uh, I don't know if I ever saw them again. Uh, but folks, listen, we can't, we can't shortcut it. But I know what they left with. They, did, they left with a, a whole new understanding of what it genuinely meant to be born again. It wasn't that they prayed a prayer or that they can live the way they want to and they somehow got this unconditional eternal security because they plugged in the magic words into the magic script and repeated it and now they got, God's got a wonderful plan for their life. Folks, listen, that has got to be the biggest lie straight from the pits of hell to try to convince people that that's okay and you can do that because it's not. It does not produce legitimate, genuine salvation in anyone's life. The only thing that produces that is repent. Unless you repent, as he said, you will perish. Luke 13, verses 1 through 9. Uh, then he goes on to say, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That verse 10 is really important. Because what it says, it says, For the heart man believes. And that's it. Back to that word, believes. I'm, I'm gonna, there's going to be a persuasion that produces fidelity. But it says, Unto righteousness. Now, righteousness, and we've talked about this from our very first classes in the book of Romans, there's only one type of righteousness that's going to be able to stand, and that's the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not your self-righteousness, not your going to church or doing all the neat things or being benevolent or helping poor people or, or, or working a, a hurricane relief or, or uh, shoveling the snow of your elderly. Folks, listen, that's not going to produce righteousness. The only righteousness that's going to be produced is the righteousness and the finished work of what Jesus did for us. Now, what's that going to produce in us? That righteousness is, is going to produce the fruit and the works and the things that we do, absolutely. But those fruits and works are not the things that's going to produce righteousness. It's got to come to the place where, listen, I'm at the end of myself and my faith is strictly in what Jesus did. Because otherwise it's self-righteousness, which is like filthy rags. It's filthiness because what does it do? It puts all the, the emphasis upon us rather than upon what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary for us. And so he says, for with the heart or with the, the innermost being, with the intimate part, with who you are, that's where man believes. That's where it produces this, this, this fidelity unto a righteousness, unto this right standing that produces a holiness, that produces the character of Christ, that produces the nature of Christ in your life. And with the mouth then, confession is made unto salvation. Folks, listen, it doesn't start with the mouth and that magic mouth suddenly uh, uh, puts you in a situation with your heart. You know what? This, I believe they were telling me this, this Tony Leto deal, that the same type of deal that uh, Zito, excuse me, Tony Zito, uh, would get people to pray this, basically just trick them into praying a prayer. Oh, you said the prayer, now you're saved. And they're like, oh, I am? Yeah, didn't you hear yourself? You just prayed a prayer and that's Jesus to come in your life. You belong to Jesus and so you're saved and you don't got to go to hell anymore. They're like, well, really? I didn't, man, I didn't know that. That's cool that I did that. That's really the approach. 
Yeah, you're saved. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's cool. I'm saved. Folks, listen, you're, God is never going to trick anybody into his kingdom. He's going to lay it right, right down. The, the, the apostle said, listen, there's nothing that we've done that's ever been done in a corner. It's got to be out there and open. And unless it's a gospel that says, listen, you, you're going to have to die to yourself. It's not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but with the heart, a man believes unto righteousness when the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What does that mean to confess? It means that there's something coming out of me. The Word of God tells me, it says that, uh, that if I believe, Pisuel, as the Scripture says, out of my belly is going to flow rivers of living water. What is that river of living water? It's the same living water that He promised the woman at the well. You drink from this water. That's the gospel message. And so if I'm genuinely born again, what's going to flow out of me? The Word of God, my relationship. I'm, my, my, my celebrated declaration is going to come out of my heart and life if I'm genuinely born again. I'm going to talk right. I'm going to speak right. I'm going to do right. I'm going to live right. Why? Because now it's coming out of my life. It's, it becomes that, that, that evidentiary uh, cooperation of the righteousness of God that's come into my, my heart through faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And so I know that out of the abundance of what? The heart, the mouth speaks. And so, if my heart is changed and transformed, what's going to happen? Then confession is going to be made unto salvation. Then there's going to be an admittance. There's going to be this, this preponderance of evidence that's constantly coming forth out of my life, declaring who I am in Christ Jesus. My, my mouth and my words are going to tell on me in everything I say and everything that I do. Once again, we meet people on the streets all the time. We'll just be kind of uh, eavesdropping in their conversations. They don't know who we are or what we're doing. And they're dropping all kinds of profanity, using God's name in vain. Then you'll walk up and approach them and say, Hey, listen, who are you serving now? Are you serving God? Oh, absolutely. Then you'll call them and you'll back and you'll say, well, listen, I was just listening to your conversation and you were talking about wanting to hook up with this girl and you were using this foul language. What about that? Oh, I wasn't talking like that. Folks, many times they don't even realize what they're saying. Why? Because that's who they are. They're talking like lost people because they are lost people. For the Scripture says in Romans 10, 11, the Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. Powerful verse. Folks, listen, if I genuinely have a, a persuasion that produces fidelity, if I genuinely believe, it says that I will not be ashamed. What Paul the Apostles tell us in the first chapter of the book of Romans, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Folks, if I genuinely believe on Him, I'm not going to be ashamed. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be sharing my faith. I'm going to be having an open, celebrated uh, uh, declaration of who He is. I want other people to know. I'm not going to be doing it in a quarter. I'm not going to be hiding. I'm not going to be... Uh, thinking it's my just little personal thing, I'm not going to be ashamed. In other words, I'm not going to draw back. I'm not going to hide myself. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be proclaiming Him. I'm going to be shouting it from the housetops. I'm going to be the evidence that God can save, change, transform, feel, heal, and deliver, even from the, the uttermost uh, throes of, of desperation and degradation. I'm going to be that living, walking testimony and example of Him. Folks, listen, and, and I really want to kind of wrap up those three verses uh, when you're witnessing, or even in your own life, I don't know, maybe you were at that point in your life that you, quote-unquote, prayed the prayer, but you've never seen a transformation. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to say, you know what, I prayed a prayer, but really all it was is the gospel script that didn't produce righteousness. God, that you, you've got a wonderful plan for me, but it may not be in this lifetime. The plan for you, you have for me is for me to be with you for eternity beyond this life. In this life, I'm going to suffer persecution. I'm going to suffer tribulation. But you said don't fear because you've overcome 
this life, you've overcome this world. Maybe you just need to come to the place where you need to repent because you're not seeing that, that evidence come out of your life. I'm just telling you, here's what he said. He said, if you're faithful to confess your sins, if you're faithful to repent, he's faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's faithful to make you a new creature that's going to walk in that evidence of his holiness and righteousness in your life. And so really, I challenge you and call you to that place to believe on him and to surrender title, deed, and ownership of your life. That your life is not your own. If you come to him, you've been bought with a price. And if you want to know how to live, he provides the word of God to give you instruction on what you need to do. But if you're out witnessing to people, folks, listen, your goal is not to get people to say the prayer. Your, your goal is to introduce them to a non-compromising Jesus. It's to produce the, it present to them the, the, the gospel of the cross. If they pray that prayer, if they call out to God, praise God for it. And you get to be a part of that. But folks, listen, the, the, there's no magical prayer that's going to pray, uh, change and, uh, and transform people. That prayer is going to come out of a changed and transformed heart. And it's going to be an open and, and sincere declaration of not something that's about to happen, of something that has already happened. Thank you guys so much for joining with us. And I really encourage you to get out, get out there and, and begin to share your faith with people and to begin to be that, that, that one that walks in a fidelity and a declaration uh, of something that is celebrated in your life. And continue to do that. Folks, listen, I've got one bit of advice for you today as we close out uh, this morning's class is get into God's Word. God's Word will get into you.